Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. Hold on to your pants, it's time for a special episode. Hey everybody, and welcome to a special episode of the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. So what makes this episode so special? Well, I'm mostly not going to be on it, so probably best for you guys. So this week, Mike and Liz from Beyond Solitaire are going to cover Legends Untold, and we're actually breaking this episode into two episodes. So next week, they're going to have the design discussion on RPGs and board games and how to kind of make those two link up. But for this week, enjoy their discussion on that, and stay tuned after the podcast till the after credits to hear my thoughts. Now, I've only played the game once, which is why I didn't feel comfortable coming on the main episode, but... I did listen to their whole episode, and I have some differing thoughts to both of them in some things. So if you want to listen to my one-off thoughts after the episode, please stay tuned after the after credits. There aren't really many bloopers, so just stay tuned for that if you want to hear my thoughts on a one-off. The other thing I'm going to do is ask you, which I don't do every week, But I'm going to ask you to do it now. Please, if you get a chance, rate, review the podcast, whatever podcast app you have. If you have an Apple device, please download the podcast app. You'll notice it's just called Podcast. You go to the App Store, download Podcast app. Look under One Stop Co-op Shop, and please give it a rating on there. It doesn't take very long. Give it five stars or whatever you think we deserve. And if you have some time, write a short little review as well. The more we get, the better our visibility becomes. So please, if you want to do anything to help us out, that would be amazing. If you could go to Apple iTunes or whatever you're listening to it on, go ahead and rate and review it there as well. So I appreciate it. We definitely appreciate it. So now on to the show. Enjoy Mike and Liz. Hey, everybody. This is Mike, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Today I'm going solo. Well, not really solo because I have a great solitaire player and content creator with us. Uh, You've heard from her once before, but welcome Liz from Beyond Solitaire. Hey, it is great to be back. Actually, you guys were the first podcast I was ever on, and it is fun to return. Oh man, you you were a natural right off the bat, Liz. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember what game we covered with you? Yeah, we talked about Dragonfire. Oh, Dragonfire. And as I recall, Peter and I just adored that game. Oh, so much. You puzzled it (laughs) at night. I was willing to give it a chance, but hey, follow up. I actually ended up trading it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, (laughs) I I thought you were like a big fan of it. (laughs) No, I mean, I just thought maybe it had potential and then no. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I think Peter might still, no, no, actually, I think he did get rid of his copy to somebody. So none of us own Dragonfire anymore. It's it's very sad. (laughs) It's a circle of life. That's right. <laughs> it went on to greener gamer pastures. So, Liz, uh, you're on Beyond Solitaire at YouTube. Do you want to tell us uh, some of the stuff you've been doing lately over there? Uh, you know, usually I have Peter, who just does the podcast, but now it's you and me. We're both YouTube creators. Uh, how stuff over at the YouTube channel? Things are great. So, yes, I have a channel called Beyond Solitaire. Uh, you can also read my written reviews and get links to all my videos at www.beyondsolitaire.net. Oh, man, you have a website? You're so swanky. It's not just a Weebly creation where I drag and drop things. Not at all. (laughs) No. (laughs) Heaven forbid. (laughs) Sorry, uh, I cut you off, Liz. No, no. (laughs) But yeah, I'm Beyond Solitaire everywhere. But yeah, on YouTube, I most recently put out a video of Cartographers, which is a roll-and-write 
I mean, it's technically, I guess, a flip and fill, but I just call them all roll and rights because that's, to me, that's what they are. But it is set in the role player universe and you are making maps. And I really like that game. I read that one very positively. Oh, I, I didn't realize it was in the role player universe. <laughs> I watched it the whole is. video and I just glossed over that, which is funny because we're, we're going to bring up role player, at least I am, in uh, our design discussion later. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm actually a big fan of role player also. So I was really excited to like cartographers. And then I've also recently done a preview of Alter Quest, which you have also done. In fact, I used the same demo kit that you had sent to me. That's that's right. Yeah, Liz, Liz and I have doubled up on a few games. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I also sent you uh, Tournament Fishing, right? Yeah, I'm probably going to film that next. Very cool. Well, I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, so uh, what, what do you think of Alter Quest? How'd that turn out for you? You know what? I think it's really promising. Um, I had a lot of fun playing the demo. I definitely, definitely want to spend time with the full game. And I think the card play, I'm not super excited they added another deck in the modular deck system. Yes, totally with you on that. However, I thought it played great. And I was liking a lot of the card interactions and like things you could choose to do in the game. And it's, it's early days. So I really want to see the final product on that. I think it's going to, I, I hope, I think it's going to be good. Yeah. I, I'm very optimistic about that one as well. I, th- I think uh, we all were pretty happy about it, talking about it last week. All right. So uh, I didn't really preview the episode, but Liz, we're super happy. We, me, I'm, I'm the only one here. You're the only one who matters. <laughs> I'm <laughs> super happy to have you on the show this week. Thanks for making time for us. Absolutely. And we're going to be talking about Legends Untold from Inspiring Games. This is a uh, card-based dungeon crawler. And I guess they want to expand it beyond dungeons, but for now it's dungeon crawling. And then we're going to have a design discussion on whether it is possible and how you can successfully create an RPG experience in a board game or a card game. For those who haven't heard of Legends Untold, like I said, it's a card-based dungeon crawler. The theme is uh, really cool. I'll talk about it a little bit more later. But the basic idea is that you're some fairly standard humans, uh, kind of non-combat types, like farmers and tailors. I don't think there's a tailor in there, but you get the idea. And your kingdom has been invaded by these magic-wielding armored elf knights. Like, this uh, elf kingdom is just comes in and totally wipes you out. And there's only, like, 3,000 of you left. And you're running to this city run by a third empire that totally bars entry to you. It's like, no way, we don't want your refugee types in here. And you're trying to sneak through uh, the sewers or the caves, depending on which set you have, to uh, get into the city secretly so you can save your entire what's left of your race, basically. And in terms of actual gameplay, you're moving around on a dungeon that's being created through cards. Each turn, you generally start by moving into a new card base location, and you'll face two or three sort of challenges to enter that location. Enemies, uh, obstacles, or encounters with uh, people or traps or those kind of things. And all of the resolution in the game is handled through a 3d6 kind of RPG-ish roll-to-resolve system. You'll have uh, talents that you can use to add to your role. You'll also have your character's kind of unique set of statistics that help with it. And uh, depending on what scenario you're playing, because it is a scenario-based game, but also has a campaign option, you'll have some kind of objective to achieve. If you can achieve your objective by uh, finding the correct loot or reaching the correct room or defeating the correct enemies, you win. If all of you are knocked out at the same time, usually in combat, or if you run out of time completely and uh, basically take too much damage once time runs out, then you lose the game. 
So with that out of the way, we're going to get into our actual review. If you haven't listened before, welcome. And our format is that Liz and I are going to switch back and forth, listing the five things we think are most important about the game, the five key design decisions, if you will, or just kind of key things about it. And uh, we'll start with our number five, the thing that is least important, but still pretty important because it's on our list, and get down to our number one, the thing we think is uh, most stands out about the game or the most important thing to consider when you're thinking about buying or playing it. So, Liz, with that out of the way, you are the guest. Why don't you start with your number five for Legends Untold? Sure. Um, I would say that my number five is going to be just the cool map dungeon generation system. I actually enjoyed making kind of a different dungeon map every single time that I played, and I liked the um, act of laying the cards out. I mean, it's a little bit of a table hog, but it was fun. And uh, it was something that most games don't do, so it felt novel to do that when I was playing, if that makes sense. So for those of you who have not played Legends Untold, basically you move from room to room by drawing cards from a deck. And, you know, depending on the amount of light as you go from room to room, you can choose and how you choose to enter rooms, you face challenges in there differently. And, you know, that exploration element, while I have some technical issues with that that we'll talk about later, I really enjoyed just the act of laying the cards out, kind of admiring them spread out on the table and having that be a slightly different experience each time. Yeah, and I I like this too. This didn't quite make my list, but I do love the map laying out. For those who haven't seen the game, if you look up some pictures, basically you have the the map tiles are like these really big cards, like they're not standard size cards. And you attach the new tile with these like little footprint icons to the previous tile. But it all, like, they designed it such that if you do that with the footprint that the, like, uh, tunnels all line up and you get this really attractive kind of, like, homemade-looking, well, not homemade-looking in the negative way, but self-made dungeon for you once you finish. So my number five is kind of related, and that's the the theme and uh, how the art communicates the theme in the game. So I mentioned the theme being that you're basically refugees running from this wild elf army throwing magic at you, whereas your people are basically non-magical. And I really like that. First of all, I like fantasy themes that kind of go away from just the basic, you know, Lord of the Rings, Tolkien-esque kind of thing. But also, I don't think I've ever played a game where I was, like, refugees trying to survive. Like, that seems pretty unique within a fantasy setting. The idea that we're non-combat types and that they are, like, this invading army. That's been done a few times. And, in fact, Peter and I are designing a game right now that has that exact same kind of concept. But it's done really well here. And I think the art is pretty much across the board fabulous. The characters look amazing. Like, the character designs are really great, really evocative. The uh, the dungeon cards that Liz already mentioned look really nice. Yeah, and, and even, like, the, the weapons and the talent and those kind of art, that's all fine. And, and I like the encounter cards. Like, it, it's a great theme. It's a unique theme. It's one I've never played before. And uh, the art helps to bring me into that world. So, you know, usually I don't do art and theme as... Uh, in my top five, but here it was such a draw for me that it did kind of stand out. Yeah, see, for me, theme is like a super important aspect of the gameplay, but I'm actually excited to talk about that when we talk about RPGs later. So Liz, what's your number four? All right, so I think my number four, it's, I think it's mostly a pro, but I think it has its pitfalls as well, which is the ability to mix and match the sets and, you know, all the different character skills. I mean, it's good for variety, but I haven't played the game enough to be sure that the mix works in a number of different iterations, if that makes sense. 
So, uh, I mean, there you're, there's actually two novice level sets for this game. There's the Weeping Caves, and then there's the Sewer one. So, theoretically, you'd be able to mix cards and characters and abilities and everything from both of those sets, and that would also be something that you could do for future sets in this game. You know, I mean, on the one hand, I think that that's great, because it makes there be a whole lot of missions with a whole lot of combinations of enemies and locations and skills and characters that you can use. At the same time, um, actually kind of like what you were talking about in last week's design discussion about the modular deck system, you know, what works the best together is not immediately clear. So I'll be curious to see the longevity on that. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. Um, This sort of comes up later for my list, but just to comment briefly, uh, what I've been doing is mixing some elements together and not mixing others. Mm -hmm. Like, I think the characters you can use freely in either set, and it's not a big deal. The the talents, basically everything that kind of builds your character, you can mix totally freely, doesn't have any effect. But I have been keeping, like, the events and the location tiles and the enemies and all that kind of stuff separate, because I do feel like they have some nice kind of thematic consistency. Yeah. Like, goblins only show up in the caves, and lizard people only show up in the uh, the sewers. So, I think you can still mix them together if you want more variety, but I, I prefer, yeah, kind of like you. I don't know if it's, it's like necessarily the best way to play the game thematically, because you're going to just kind of may- maybe feel a little bit more like a mishmash when you do that. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was actually one of the things that drove me crazy about Pathfinder, the adventure card game, was that it, the enemies didn't always make thematic sense. And that was something, you know, that for me, that's a pet peeve. I like things to kind of be cohesive and make sense for the location I'm in. It's funny you mention that because by the time this uh, podcast airs, I'll probably have a playthrough of the new Pathfinder set on the YouTube channel. And yeah, I'm I'm sure I'll encounter some kind of like crocodile in a temple, you know, (laughs) or a zombie hanging out in a shop. (laughs) All right, so my number four is also a mix, like you. Although, uh, again, I think it also kind of leans pro. And that's uh, how your character abilities are kind of determined and put together and how you build your character when you start the game. And also, if you're playing the campaign mode, how you progress your character. So for the abilities, you get uh, three talents to start. And the talents are either combat-oriented or non-combat-oriented. And you can pick whatever mix you want of those. And uh, one of the cool things is that they each have uh, at least two or three different abilities. So, you know, a single ability won't come into play necessarily that often every time you play. But over the course of a uh, scenario or campaign, some of your abilities will get used quite a bit. And you often have fun choices of, like, whether to use the combat ability of your, you know, diplomacy skill or the non-combat ability. Like, you talk the enemy out of attacking you for a turn. <laughs> and then, like, the, uh, the weapon choice is fun. And I also like how you progress because you get to upgrade your items, you get to add new items, you get to add new talents. So you really have a nice chance to make your character feel very unique and have uh, different specializations compared to the other characters. That's all awesome. Now, on the negative side, some of like the abilities and talents aren't as exciting as others. Uh, some are more limited in their use, so they wanted to come into play as often. Many of them are just like plus one or plus two to a check, which is fine, but... When I look at, like, the more exciting ones, like ones that can, like, blind all the enemies for a turn, or ones that can, uh, like, let you draw loot when you disarm a trap, I-, I really like those kind of more thematic, unique ones. So seeing that a lot of the other ones are just, like, basic bonuses isn't quite as exciting. I mean, yes, the game is a dice-based game, so you're going to get bonuses, like, plus one and plus two sometimes. But still, uh, on a minor negative side, I didn't find all the abilities that inspiring. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Actually, um, this leads nicely into my number three, if you're ready for that. Yeah, go. So, okay. So my number three actually had to do with the skills and abilities. So, spoiler alert, if you've read my review, this is a game that I thought had potential, but that I ended up not loving. And one of the reasons that happened for me was that, so the abilities are the thing that makes your character somewhat interesting in a game where I feel that the die rolls are pretty repetitive. And I got extremely irritated at the way that your health is managed in the game. It makes sense. In some ways, I can see why you would like it and think it's a great idea. So basically, when you lose health or get hurt in the game, you have to exhaust one of your skill cards. So you become less flexible and less skilled as you get more beat up in the game, which makes plenty of thematic sense. But at the same time, the way that that was done took away some of the variety and the ability to kind of push the die rolls in more interesting directions so that you were just stuck with the same old die rolls again. So as you lost health, you know, rather than have it feel like an exciting struggle for me, it just sort of felt like the interesting parts of gameplay would slowly kind of disappear. (laughs) And I, I mean, I get it, but I didn't end up enjoying it. Mainly because, again, like I felt that the skill checks were highly repetitive in the game and I needed something to break it up. No, that, that's really interesting. And I, I actually never thought of it that way. But you're right. As, as you take damage, you're sort of losing some of the stuff that makes your character unique. I will say it never bothered me because, in general, we would heal after each encounter because you get a chance to heal at the end of every turn. Yeah. So I never felt like I was without my unique talents more than like a few minutes. But yeah, I mean, if you got into like a death spiral where you're just running out of time and you didn't have time to heal and you just had to keep on running, your character was very hurt. Sure, I, I, I think that's totally valid that it would feel like you'd kind of lost some of your uniqueness. Although I guess <laughs> when we're all bleeding to death, maybe we all are kind of similar, you know? <laughs> like none of us are doing tricky flips or anything when our, our leg is barely hanging on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, thematically I get it. It's just that in terms of actual play, I, you know, I tend to favor games that have more complicated card play. Even if they also contain dice. No, no, no. I, I totally get that. Especially comparing it to something like Alter Quest with like this really complex card play. Yeah, I, I could see this being uh, maybe a little more simple. Yeah, my, my number three is uh, another mix. Sounds like yours was more of a con. And that's um, how the uh, cooperation and playing the game multiplayer works. I will say if you're playing it solo, you can just kind of drop this. And I think it's... I, I really enjoy it solo. I've played it quite a bit solo. Multiplayer, I think, is a mixed bag. On the positive side... I never felt like I had much, if any, downtime. Uh, The decisions in the game tend to be something that you can all kind of talk through and work through as a group. Everyone gets their chance to shine. Like, the tests and abilities and things are varied enough that you have your moment to do cool things. And you also have the ability to help each other out. A lot of the abilities let you give bonuses to each other. And also some of the skill checks have an inherent ability to uh, support somebody else. Like, if you climb super well, you can actually let another character not have to climb because you, like, help them up the rock face or whatever. So I liked all of that. On the negative side, I do wish that you could split the party... I wish there was like a little bit more that you could do in terms of like forging your own path sometimes in a multiplayer game. Because again, for those who don't know, you're like always, at least in this base set, in the same party, always traveling together, always encountering the exact same stuff. And that, that's fine. Like in most D&D games, they say never to split the party, you know, and I, I never do. So we're encountering the same stuff there. So it's not like it's super different. But it'd be cool if at least the system supported it. And I think the designers might be thinking about adding that in a later set. I think that'd be cool if you could split the party. Maybe it would become a a difficult thing to track, but the idea of that possibility sounds fun to me. But yeah, for now, I think uh, 
while you have lots of chances to cooperate with each other, it, it does feel like maybe slightly a limited experience in terms of you like kind of being forced to go through the same stuff and experiencing the same things. Yeah, and for those of you who haven't played, basically there are a number of different types of tests that you could be asked to pass using die rolls throughout the game. So some of them are individual tests where you can pick the member of your party who's best suited to get over an obstacle to be the one who does it. But they also have like a table test where everybody has to try to pass an obstacle. So you all have to like sit there and do the same obstacle at the same time. And, you know, it would be interesting to see how those rules change if the party can split up. What would be my first assumption? But this would, again, be weird. The, the big thing would be the time deck. Yeah. Because, like, the time deck is the thing that makes you lose the game. And, like, everything you do costs time. So you'd have to, like, do some kind of weird thing where you had, like, two time decks. Or, like, when you spend time, each group gets to do something that costs that time. It's, it's definitely not easy. <laughs> like, if they figure out how to do it, I'll definitely check it out. But I, I, as a game designer, I can't picture what it would look like right now. But I think it could be fun if they do find a way to make it workable, at least as an option. Even if I never do it, the, the capability of doing it would be exciting, you know? All right, Liz, how about your number two? All right, so I'm actually going to put my big pro at number two because this is the thing that made me want to try Legends Untold in the first place. And it actually is your five, which is I, actually, I like the world building a lot. I like that they have different stories going on. Uh, I really liked the flavor text on the cards, and I liked that they were attempting to do a cinematic campaign because that's the sort of thing that I enjoy in a game. So for me, that's a pro because I can see that they really are going for an untold legend, right? Like it's thematic. They're attempting to make that story happen. And that's something that I respect. It's something I think is interesting. And it's something that, um, you know, I would like to see more fully realized in future iterations of the game. Because I like a different fantasy theme. Like, actually, the last time I was on here, we joked, like, oh, I'll put a dragon on it and I'll buy it. Like, there's some <laughs> truth to that. But, you know, I like the idea of a fantasy world that has slightly different storylines and types of adventures. Because, you know, a fantasy world can contain anything, so why not get a little variety? By the way, just, just for those listening, uh, I just got to add that Liz is currently being assaulted by her adorable kitten. <laughs> <laughs> the cat is trying to rip her headphones out of her ear. <laughs> So, you know, just just to give that mental picture for a moment. <laughs> yes, he's adorable, but he is really bad. But the problem is if I leave him outside, he will cry and oh, scratch no. the door. So, <laughs> you know, it's what choice do I have but to be assaulted by this adorable kitten? Yes. So my number two is also uh, kind of my biggest pro for the game. I, I have a, a mixed one coming up after that. And it does sort of come back to the theme and other stuff you said, and that is uh, the variety of the encounters and uh, the scenarios and the campaign system. And that's uh, not just within a single release, but also between the, the sewers and the uh, caves box. So first of all, the I found the number of scenarios they included to kind of be absurd for the cost and size of the game. There's uh, 16 scenarios in each box set, so that's 32 unique scenarios. And yes, some of them are somewhat repetitive, but a lot of them are very different in terms of what you're doing and the objectives and like the special things that are happening. So that just blew me away as somebody who's, you know, working on a dungeon crawler right now and is struggling so hard to create like even 10 scenarios. <laughs> the fact that they have 32 for this little card game is, is kind of wild. But uh, even more so, I was impressed by the campaign and thematically, the campaigns are so different and mechanically they're so different and like what you're trying to do is so varied that I really enjoy it. 
So if you're going to buy the game and if you enjoy the game, I would say definitely get both boxes. Because for the cave scenario, you're trying to save your, your population. Like you're actually like literally rescuing the people. So the more time you take, the more of them die out there in the cold. And then if you get far enough in the campaign, you can actually get some of them to uh, shelter inside of the caves. And uh, it's just like really cool. It has a great narrative. Like Liz said, it's written really well. But then if you're doing the sewer one, you're the you're the sacrificial party, basically. You're trying to lead off the rest of the uh, the enemies so that the cave people can escape. So you have, like, these vicious elves chasing you. If you watch my playthrough on YouTube, you'll see just how vicious they can be. Um, so it's, like, super different, and I really dig it. And then even in uh, the stuff that you encounter within a game is really fun. The combat system is great. It's something that didn't make my list, but I find it very thematic and, and quick and interesting, and it has some good decisions in it. But then, like, also to the encounters, like, the people you'll meet and the things you'll see and, like, the, the barriers you're off to overcome. There's not, like, a huge ton of them in each set, which might encourage you to mix them together, but you're never going to see the exact same ones on a single play. There's enough variety there. And, and yeah, they, they just, like, thematically and mechanically, they have cool things going on. So I have a fun, varied time every time I play. Which, again, for a you know, fairly inexpensive card game, especially if you buy just one set, I think is pretty cool. All right, so I think, Liz, we probably have a related number one. I'm guessing my take on it will be a little bit different than you. But uh, <laughs> why don't you go ahead and, and tell us your main thing for Legends Untold? So, yeah, all right. So you're talking about having a varied experience every time. And see, I found that this game was super repetitive even when I was doing something different. But for me, the number one thing is the rules are just finicky. It's a 60-page rule book for, like, that tiny card game. And I felt that a lot of the rules were kind of unnecessary. And I felt that I was doing more bookkeeping than I was having fun. And I say this as somebody who likes Sentinels of the Multiverse. There's just something about this that did not give me the payoff that would have made me happy to sit there and do it. So like when you go from room to room, it's like, oh, let me decide marching order. Okay, let me decide, you know, how I'm going to enter the room. Okay, let me do this test. Let me do that test. All right, I got to do another test. Okay, now I can explore the stuff in the room. And I just did not enjoy how many die rolls I had to go through to just do anything. And, you know, I even kind of felt that way about the combat too. Like, oh, let me change the order that everyone goes in combat. Like, let me worry about all these different modifiers and like types of hits in melee. And like the idea of it is really cool. But in practice for me, having to keep track of all those little things for just another roll of 3d6 was like, it just was not doing it for me. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, because I, I do agree that, especially for certain players, the repetitive die rolls are going to get to them. That's never something that bothers me much in games because I'm just used to like RPG playing and where everything is a die roll and that's just what life is, you know. Yeah. Uh, but but at the same time, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, when, when I played multiplayer, one of the players definitely felt that repetitiveness. So I think some people are going to feel that when they play. I, I don't agree about the, the fiddliness or the finickiness or the modifiers. I, I never felt like I was having to keep track of many modifiers at all. Most things in combat, you almost never have more than two modifiers, and usually it's only one. And in the other adventures, you might have an extra modifier, but it, I always felt like it was really well laid out. Yeah, I mean, I can see that, but then it's like, okay, does this person have advantage? Does this person have disadvantage? Okay, so yeah, but I, I mean, they, they have like, like the little tokens to keep track of that. That never really bothered me much. But don't get me wrong, I mean, I. Not only do I love Sentinels in the Multiverse, but I, like, run the game for everybody else. You know, like, right. Peter makes fun of me for being, like, way too okay. Like, maybe too forgiving of what would be fiddly for other people. 
but but at the same time, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, de- I definitely did not have that experience at all. The the only place I felt like it was a little bit weird is that um, the threshold for extreme success change in certain uh, situations. Yeah. So, like, th- that was the one rule I was like, ah, uh, because basically when you're exploring, plus four is the special threshold. But mm-hmm. then when you're doing, like, challenges, plus two is the special threshold. And it's not a big deal. I learned it quickly. But I was like, ah, that wasn't as, like, streamlined or clean as it could have been. That, that, that was one thing that uh, kind of stuck out to me. Yeah, and I think for me, part of the issue is that the combat just didn't feel different enough from everything else I'd had to do the whole turn, if that makes sense. Because it's just that constant 3D6 rhythm. But the thing is, like, I felt like the game had potential and that it just kind of got weighed down by all the little things you had to do. Because I like the story. I wanted to feel like I was on, like, kind of a rip-roaring adventure, I guess. Yeah, and and, and I did feel that. But no, yeah. I mean, I, I think... You, it, it's. I'm, I'm glad we have you on because I think you're, you're going to have the experience that a lot of people will have. I hope I have the experience a lot of people have. I hope I'm not on an island <laughs> about the game. <laughs> So, so getting into my number one, though, my number one is not a full-on pro, so it's not like, you know, this is some perfect point here. But uh, it, it wasn't the repetitiveness of the dice, although I do agree with that, but just the very nature of everything being, like, random luck. And the fact that if you always roll poorly, you're going to die. And if you always roll well, you're going to, like, kick butt. I, I'm a bad roller. Let's just go. Let's just be oh, right. Yeah, I mean, me <laughs> oh, too. I, I definitely, I definitely, spoiler <laughs> alert, I definitely died in my playthrough. <laughs> But I, I do want to say the reason this isn't a con for me, first of all, for me personally, I don't mind dice resolution. I actually enjoy it a lot of the time. But also I think like it's not too bad here. The big reason being because a lot of the game is push your luck. So like a lot of the encounters are push your luck where you can stop at a lower threshold and not get as much or push for a higher threshold. Or other encounters will have a lower difficulty test, but you lose more when you try it that way. So I felt like I had kind of cool choices, so I didn't mind the repetitiveness or the randomness. And the other big thing is that I think the game is very forgiving in the ability to retreat. Like, extremely forgiving. Like, at the end of any combat round, you can run away for a single time, no questions asked, no, like, parting attack from the enemy, you're just gone. And pretty much everything in there is like that. In fact, a lot of things... um, if your uh, alertness is high enough, when you see them, you can immediately choose the ditch. <laughs> like, you don't even have yeah. to suffer anything. You're just like, bye. So I really like that. And it did make me feel like the game was never punishing me through the randomness. It was never like a single die roll lost the game for me. Right. And I felt like I had choices because I could run away. Now, in the end, yes, the dice still determined whether I won to an extent. But I feel like my choices did too. And, and even if they didn't, even if, uh, if I, like, you know, statistically analyzed it and I saw, man, I rolled really badly that game, that's why I died, I think I would still feel like I had had uh, agency in my loss. So, yeah, again, I, I see the repetitiveness. That wasn't, like, kind of what I focused on with the dice, but we're still both talking about the dice here at number one. And for me, I ended up enjoying them. It was a mix leaning toward a pro but definitely, like Liz was saying, I mean, I think some gamers are just going to not enjoy this at all. <laughs> definitely, like, w- watch some playthroughs and make sure this looks good to you. And I, I guess that leads in, uh, Liz, you want to kind of give your, your final thoughts on the game? Sort of your overall recommendations, who might like it and who might not? I think that, I mean, like I said, the game is definitely not what you're going to go for, I think, if you want a more complex 
strategic experience. Like if you're a puzzly kind of solo gamer, even one who likes thematic games, I don't think this is going to hit the spot for you. If you don't mind a little upkeep and you just want another dungeon crawl because that's what you like and you know you want to maybe have a little bit of variation in the story and the maps but generally have okay i'm gonna roll dice okay i'm gonna add this modifier okay i'm gonna try to pick up the skill Ooh, loot um if that's the kind of (laughs) if that's what you're into you know you will probably have a perfectly good time um i'm not sure it would be mind-blowing compared to other dungeon crawlers of that nature out there that would be a a conversation for like another podcast right but if that's up your alley you'll probably have a perfectly good time playing legends and told the story's good you know the maps are cool you know there's like there's little neat elements to it if you like that overall gameplay style you will have fun yeah and i'm definitely going to come in more positive than liz although i don't disagree with anything you said i personally really enjoyed this game it's been on my mind a lot i want to play it more peter is borrowing my copy so jerk (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I want to go through the campaigns. I, I definitely plan to purchase like later expansions that kind of continue the, the story. So I hope the, the company does well enough to come out with those. For me, it was almost a slam dunk. I have some complaints, but pretty much all of them go to the side because I enjoy the dice. I, I like the, the tension of it. I feel like I always have a chance to lose, but things are always very desperate as well. I love the theme. I like the campaign play. Totally agree with Liz, though. It's not a high strategy concept. Having played Alter Quest recently, I would say the card play there is is much more complex and kind of combo-driven than it is here. This is, in the end, sort of a and esque pick what skill you want to use, roll, see what happened kind of a game. But if you if you like the theme, if you if you like the the story, if you like the campaign play, I think the value is really good for what you get. Like I think excellent then I would definitely check this out. But yeah, if, if you don't like dice rolling, if you don't like repetitive dice resolution, if you're not a fan of that D&D experience, then this probably won't be for you. And I, and I think a lot of people are going to love this game. I think a lot of people won't like it at all. <laughs> so so hopefully between me and Liz, we, we kind of covered... Uh, I mean, not, neither of us hated, of course, but hopefully we kind of covered the, 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 the general gamut of some reactions to this game. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for the Legends Untold discussion. Next week, stay tuned for the RPG design discussion between Mike and Liz. But remember to stay tuned after the end credits if you want to hear my thoughts on Legends Untold and my experiences after just playing a one-off scenario. Thanks for listening to another episode of the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Please check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop, where you can get great game playthroughs and 5 and 5 reviews. If you want to have a conversation with us, the best place to reach out to all of us is on the Slack channel. Links are in the show notes. You can also talk to us on Twitter at MVP Board Games or email us at MVPBoardGames at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us again, and we'll see you next week with another Top 5 list. All right, so after listening to the full episode, I had a few thoughts of my own. Now, just again, as a reminder, I have only played one scenario as a one-off, so I can't even really talk much about the story, even though I'd like to. I think the theme is very cool, but I'm not sure that 
I got the full experience playing one-off scenarios. So Mike talked about how many scenarios there are, and there are quite a few in the game. They are double-sided, so half of the scenarios are in the campaign, and then on the flip side of every one of those scenarios is a scenario that is a one-off scenario. So whether you like campaigns or one-off, I think you have a chance to enjoy this as well. Now, the one thing I'm going to agree with Liz mostly on is that role to resolve it doesn't feel like you're doing a whole lot different. I did think the combat was kind of cool, but it is a lot of rolling three dice and kind of seeing what happens. And as cool as the story is, I didn't really get a feel for it in the campaign. Now, again, maybe it's because I played a one-off scenario, so I didn't get the full experience of it. I didn't feel it was as fiddly as Liz thought it was, but again, Mike was running it for me, so... That could be it. I can't imagine this game having a 60-page rulebook. The The rules seem to be very straightforward. Now, maybe it was 60 pages because there's a lot of story. I remember like the intro story was like two or three pages in and of itself. So maybe a lot of those pages are story and fluff and that kind of stuff. But as far as running the game, nothing seemed overly complicated to me. The one thing I will say, for me... It was a little bit repetitive. I didn't see that story coming out. I know Mike said there are a lot of missions, and I don't know because I only played one, but it didn't feel like they would play out very differently from each other. You're going to go exploring a couple places. You're going to roll to resolve some tests. You're going to get in combat. Rolling is very similar. The one thing nobody brought up that actually stood out to me is that each of these cards you have, these skill cards, have like four or five skills on them. So you really have to kind of read through these three cards, and as you're leveling up, you even have more, four, five, six cards in front of you, and each of them has like four or five skills on them. So I found that a little cumbersome to go through, especially as you're taking wounds and have to flip some over. I found it a little tedious to run through all of them to kind of see which skill you need for this check. Now, I know not everybody's going to agree with me on this, but the game this felt the most like to me was Seventh Continent. It was a lot of exploring and doing tests. Now, I understand in Seventh Continent, the way you resolve tests is done very differently, and there's a lot more choices involved in that, so I think people like that. But to me, it felt a lot like that, except in a smaller package. So if you like that exploring, finding out new stuff, reading cool new story text as you're going through, and feeling like you're just doing some checks to get through it, I mean, it has a lot of the things that Seventh Continent has, for me anyway, as far as that goes. Now, I don't love those type of games myself, so maybe I'm seeing some things in there that aren't there, and maybe Seventh Continent has some great gameplay that I'm missing out on. But to me, they felt very similar. And so I think if you like Seventh Continent, you'll be more likely to enjoy this. Games like Pathfinder the Card Game fall in this category for me as well. You're going into a new room, flipping over cards, seeing what is there, rolling some dice to resolve tests. So they have a different resolution system in each of these games, but you are using cards and dice to kind of manipulate what you do. So for me, it had a lot of that feel to it. And I think you're going to have to watch some of the playthroughs to kind of see where you fall on the scale of how enjoyable this looks like it's going to be for you. So anyway, those are my quick thoughts after just one scenario. I would say go watch the videos on the One Stop Co-op Shop channel. See if the game looks like it's something that will be up your alley. Hey, Mike. 
<laughs> what? This is where I say something funny and you pretend it's not funny. <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't get that. 